When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Update, we were able to figure out how to watch Red Table Talk on Facebook Watch, and now we will uh, resume not watching it. Uh, But we will resume our conversation about... The Emmys. This is the Colleen and Bradley show, My Talk 1071. Streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Hi. And uh, we've got some really great things and some really crappy things that they uh, showed us on the Emmys last night. Let's start with something that we really did not like, right, Bradley? Yeah, that was the commentator or the guy who was giving color commentary. His name is Thomas Lennon. He's an actor. He's been in, re- he's most known, I think, for Reno 911. Uh, but he's been in Night at the Museum, a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, regardless, he was playing this weird role of sort of like a Fox sports commentator in the corner, like as they would, you know, do cutaways and he'd be like, oh, coming up next, we're going to do this thing with this thing. Or as somebody would win an award, he would say, but well, actually, you know what? Let's just listen to a little yes. bit of what Thomas Lennon was doing as the color commentator for last night's Emmy Awards. He's setting cars on fire and burning a wicker man in Deerfield, Illinois, as his beloved daughter pockets another 39 centimeters of fake Emmy gold. Okay, that okay, was... Who was he talking about? That was actually, I believe, when Alex Borstein went up on stage. <sighs> and so he threw in these little witty witticisms. Witty? I think they were intended to be. They're very dry. Like, his his humor all night was very dry, which if you weren't paying attention or you weren't completely plugged in, came across as, like, serious. Yep. And you weren't sure what he was... Like, you knew maybe there was a joke trying to be made, but you were scrambling to figure out what kind of a joke he's making. On That was my reaction. Right. I didn't feel like I was in on it. Like, yeah. I felt like I didn't get it. Um and, and and what I like again, I I can see what they were trying to do, which was fill this the space of time it takes for the person to walk up to the stage without boring us, like give us something to hear or listen to. But you know what? I would have rather heard who the person is, what role they play, what is unique about that role. Oh, how many Emmys they've won in the past, how many nominations they've had in the past. I don't know, something that makes yes, sense during an Emmy telecast. To your point, and this is the problem, it's kind of a perennial problem with award shows. This is, uh, and Holly, you, you are one to point this out on a regular basis. Award shows are really inside baseball for the most part. They, they are a industry... Um, there's a word I want to use. And Circle I can't, experience. Uh-huh. Circular experience. Yes. And the name of a Steve Martin movie from the early yes, 80s. Yes, exactly. The jerk. The jerk. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. good one. So well it's done. one of those, yes. right? Yes. And um, 
So because of that, which is fine, because I think that, you know, TV is so valuable to our culture. It's a, it's just it's a huge access point for us all to come together on something, if at all ever again. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's important. But because it's a lot of inside baseball, you can't assume that the average audience knows who you're talking about. They don't know what an Alex Bornstein is. And instead of making layered jokes that only people who are paid to um, comment on the multi-layeredness on Twitter and social media, you need to speak to the people. I mean, you and I are, quote, media professionals, yeah. right? Or ah. media boobs. Yes. We sit on couches and watch things and have opinions about them the next day on the radio. And even we are like scrambling to figure out, like, what was he trying to Oh, that kind of joke. Yeah. And, okay, I kind of get it, but you had to explain it to me. And also, if you have to explain it to me, I guarantee that the average person sitting on their couch has no idea. Absolutely. So, no, it just felt very very flat. Interesting that you brought up that point, Bradley, because I was reading in the trades, Hollywood industry trades, and I think the New York Times, that they understand that that's an issue, that not everyone is familiar with all of the TV shows being honored at the Emmys. And what were they? They were speculating Sunday morning, yesterday morning, about how the Emmys was going to handle that. And they especially, especially, yeah, exactly. Especially in 2019, where to the point we've been making throughout the show today, um, there, it is no longer, we do not live in the days any longer of like five network television stations and we're all watching the same thing. We don't live in those days anymore. You, I got a text from my mother last night that said, I just watched the Emmys. I don't know half of these shows. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't disagree with her. There are shows that I was not familiar with. To be fair though, um, you shouldn't have to, it's the Emmys job. And that's why I think it points out why the Emmys failed, um, to deliver last night. Exactly. Is that they did not craft, uh, an, uh, they did not craft a message that was consumable for the average TV viewer. There, we are, and I don't know what people's TV viewing habits really are, but I imagine the average person watches far more TV than we give them credit for. And so it's, you don't have to talk down to people, but you do have to talk to them in a way that fills in the gaps. Like I think the audience is probably relatively astute. And if you were to say, Alex Borstein, you know, known from this and that has already been nominated this many times. Yes. And this is a huge or hasn't won. And is this is a huge win for her. Like there is a way to speak to the audience without being condescending. And I feel like they've done that in the past. I feel like or at least I'm moderately sure that they do that either for the Golden Globes or for the Oscars, because oftentimes that's where I get sort of the context for why this is important or why, you know, what the role is or what the show is about, or that's usually where you get that. Now, you know, we, we do a three hour show every day and it is, you know, we talk often off the air about how fortunate we are to have this amount of time that we don't want to, squander away any bit of it we want to make quality broadcast we do our best to right Mm -hmm. i feel like the emmys didn't take that seriously yeah you have three hours to to 
appreciate television. Yeah. And they wasted it. Like, that is valuable real estate right there. And take that time with the person walking up to the stage to give us something that we can do something with. And I think um, that it's also... It's also a dis... What's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't honor the audience by trying to entertain them with things that are not relevant to the reason we showed up. So if you're giving me shtick and you're giving me things that, um, you know, banter between people that's unrelated to what we're actually tuning in to watch, that's that's sort of disrespectful to the audience. Because I didn't show up to to watch you... like. How do I think we've moved past needing people to give us those sticky moments? Yeah, those in between reasons to show up. Like, yes, there will be some naturally consumable, you know, in the aftermath moments that we're all going to talk about the next day, like some social media experience, or somebody said the wrong thing to the wrong person, or somebody forgot a line. Like, all don't worry about that. Right. What you need to worry about is honoring the audience what they showed up for. And what they showed up for, I would argue, is to learn a little bit about like all the TV that's out there, see some uh, you know famous faces, be recognized for doing great jobs. But you don't have to like you don't have to create other reasons for people to show up because then you're taking away from honoring why we think we're showing up right. in the first place. Does right. that make sense? Absolutely. You know, uh, when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we do have two speeches we want to give their due. There were two really amazing speeches, uh, acceptance speeches that we definitely want to highlight. We're going to do that after this on the Colleen and Bradley show on my talk one Oh seven one. Well, there were a couple moments of the Emmys last night that really stuck out for us, and they happened to be with a couple of the speeches, a couple of the acceptance speeches uh, that we heard from winners of Emmy Awards last night on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Uh, and we should start with the one that I think we both were incredibly moved by. Uh, And that was Michelle Williams. Yeah, Michelle Williams speech. You know, sometimes people do this thing where they take the opportunity to throw in um, a social justice moment where they want to advocate for an issue that's important to them. And we're in that space now where that's just kind of par for the course. Right. Yes. But it doesn't always it's not always delivered in a very mm, not everybody does it well. Let's put it that way. But Michelle Williams was able to accept her award last night, turn it into something even more special and do so in a way that I don't think um, anybody else was as eloquent on the stage. So should we just listen to Michelle Williams um, accept her speech or I should say accept her Emmy for her role in Fosse Verdon? Yep. I see this as an acknowledgement of what is possible when a woman is trusted to discern her own needs, feels safe enough to voice them, and respected enough that they'll be heard. And all of these things, they require effort and they cost more money, but my bosses never presumed to know better than I did about what I needed in order to do my job. That didn't actually have the whole speech. It didn't, speech. which is too bad. Um, no worries. I'll find the um, the rest of the words. How about that? Yes, because what, what she said was so beautiful. Actually, I might actually have them in front of me. Um, because, you know, right there you heard her. Uh, you heard her uh, reference these things. 
that she asked for. She ta- she started by talking about the things that she asked for in her uh, when she was working on that character of Gwen Verdon. She said um, she said. Basically, that she said, when I asked for more dance classes, I heard yes. More voice lessons, yes. A different wig, a pair of fake teeth not made out of rubber, yes. And all of these things, they require effort, they cost more money, but my boss has never presumed to know better than I did about what I needed in order to do my job and honor Gwen Verdon. Uh, and she said, so I want to say thank you so much to FX and to Fox 21 Studios for supporting me completely. And, and here's where it gets good for paying me equally because they understood that when you put value into a person, it empowers that person to get in touch with their own inherent value. And then where do they put that value? They put it into their work. And so the next time a woman, and especially a woman of color, because she stands to make 52 cents on the dollar compared to her white male counterpart, tells you that what she, tells you what she needs in order to do her job, listen to her, believe her, because one day she might stand in front of you and say, thank you for allowing her to succeed because of her workplace environment and not in spite of it. Thank you. And then she said to her daughter, Matilda, this is for you like everything else. And I thought uh, she did she did so many things in those few words so perfectly. So in addition to, because at first, if she had just said, like, I want to thank Fox uh, 21 Studios and FX for like, spending money on things that I thought were important. Like, okay, that's valuable and congrats to you. And I'm glad you were able to do the job that you wanted to do. But then for her to amp it up and bring other people into that conversation, women, well, okay. So for white women, sure, you know, they have a lot of privilege that other actresses don't. And, and it's not nothing to point out that women of color generally make 52 cents to the dollar compared to their white male counterparts. So, so then she brings it up another level to welcome in um, and to make sure that we include people who are even uh, less listened to, but then to circle back around and make it again, an individual conversation about how like the value of doing that is not just some greater social good, because of course we should just do all things you know, that are right and important, but because it has an actual effect on the individual, mm-hmm. if you take someone seriously by respecting their needs, they will in turn deliver something that is worthy of their inherent value. So she does this, like, I just thought it was incredibly artful. She hits on many different levels all at the same time. And like you said, she ta- she starts kind of from a place of her own experience and then is able to to bring in the experiences of both the audience she's speaking to and the people who are in charge of the audience she's speaking to. Like it yeah, she just did such a beautiful job and I really think there are three different types of of um speeches when you win an award at an event like this there are the off the cuff ones that usually are a hot mess yeah because that person wants you to think that they didn't think they would win. And so all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasts platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com 
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. They didn't prepare anything. There is the person who sits up there, stands up there with the litany of people that they have to thank. And then there are people who do something beautiful like what Michelle Williams did and speaks from her heart in a polished way about meant about a different, a bigger issue. Yeah. Um, and again, makes it personal so that everybody can relate to it. Everybody who's watching can relate to that every, and not just the actors in the room, which again is a very heavy lift. And we've been talking about this, um, all day. It's a very heavy lift to execute an award show. Well, because there are so many different, you know, competing, um, you know, places of attention, whether it's the people in the room, whether it's the audience sitting on the couch, whether it's the people that are, you know, uh, making decisions behind the scenes. But what I um, was reading about in regard to her speech, I had forgotten about the huge pay disparity gap that she was a part of. So this really was a response to that. And you'll remember, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's a movie that she did with Mark Wahlberg. It was all the money in the world. Remember the movie that they literally, yeah, they they spent all the money in the world, not on her. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the one they had to redo. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And for her limited for going back and doing that, she took the the union baseline pay. Mark Wahlberg negotiated, negotiated something millions of dollars. Yeah. A million and a half dollars. Yeah. A million and a half dollars, which he ended up donating to charity. But, you know, again, and she was graceful about it. Like she didn't come across, you know, like vindictive or vengeful or you know she made it not about her yeah she's one of those actresses and there were a handful of them there last night that i looked at and i thought that is she's got her start on a little show called dawson's creek and little did we know that we would regard her for the craft you know you kind of don't take those shows very seriously when they're on right we love them we love Dawson, Dawson's Creek, but you don't usually sit there and think this person is going to really make something out of their career. And Michelle Williams has done a beautiful job of not only making something out of her career, but being a voice for women. And she, I, I could not, I, kudos. I mean, she's amazing. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we do have uh, an, M, an Emmy-related D-bag or two. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to them after this on My Talk 107.1. Celebrities behaving badly to tell you about on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Hey. We have a name for those celebrities behaving badly, and that name is D-Bag. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Who's your D-Bag? Well, it's the Emmys. Well, all of them. I would have to agree. Shocking. (laughs) But not for the reasons we've already um, illustrated earlier in the show and we'll continue to as the show goes on today. 
here on the Colleen and Bradley show. Um, it's actually the people or person who was responsible for a in memoriam flub. Uh oh. It wasn't just the usual like, oh, they left out somebody who died. Um, no, they actually killed someone who was very much alive. Oh no! Yes. Who did they Shocking. kill? I do that all the time. They. It tur- I, okay, wait. To what? You I kill don't people? kill people. Oh my but, God, Holly, write but this. But I do uh-huh. that thing where I think somebody has died. Oh, remember the time that uh, Donnie killed Patty? Duke? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Literally, then she really did die. Like a few days later. Well, I hope that uh, Leonard Slotkin has gone to the doctor recently. So apparently last night, and I I must confess I missed the immemorial month immemorial That's a lot of M's. Immemorial and uh, they were trying to honor the late Andre Previn, who passed away. Ah, uh, um, did he actually pass away? Yeah, Andre Previn okay, is dead. Good. Thank you. I mean, not. No, wait, that was not wow. the right sensitive. Sorry, that wasn't the right reaction. He, I meant correct, Emmys. You were correct. Uh, Andre Previn is um, deceased. Okay. Do you know that his? Do you know who his daughter is? Who? Soon Yi. Oh, sure. Did you know that? That makes sense. I didn't know that. I mean, it is because of her name, Soon Yi Previn, right? But anyway, he passed away in February. Well, that's that's all sad and appropriately somber. However, when it came time to show Mr. Previn in a photograph during the In Memory Montage, they showed Leonard Slotkin. Now, Leonard Slotkin, or Slatkin, is very much alive. He was born in 1944. He's 75 years young. He's still kicking. Oh, dear. And uh, unfortunately, the photo that they showed for Andre showed Leonard. And you'll be happy to know that Leonard was not that amused. Um, He took to Twitter, uh, I think, earlier today and said that, you know, Andre deserved a little better than his face. So can you imagine if you were watching the In Memoriam segment and your face went up? You know who I think of? Honestly, who I think of? Yes, that would be frightening and weird and strange. But also, I think about the family of the person that they were trying to actually. Andre? Yeah, that they were trying to honor and to have that person not be fully honored. And it sort of like. We loved him so much, we couldn't even be bothered to know his face. Yeah, we didn't even. Like, you know, somebody Google image searched. Um, in fact, I wonder what happens if you, Andre Previn, if you just Google image search his face, if Leonard Slotkin comes up, because I wouldn't be surprised. No, that's no, no. Okay. So they must have really gone one step further and it, made it that much worse. Oh, that just is really. Anyway, somebody lost a job over that. Oops. Now, what's funny about that, if there can be anything funny in this particular moment, um, You'll remember it was the opening of the Emmy Awards last night yeah. where they kind of played that joke where they honored um, Lucille George Ball. Burns and Lucille Ball. And then, and then Ben Stiller was standing next to Bob Newhart mm-hmm. 
and um, who's very much alive. He was very much alive, and they sort of made a joke about that. Yeah, but, no, and they were. Out- oh, we should say they were using wax figures for those who are thinking like, well, what's the big deal? They had a wax figure figure of George Burns, yeah, and then a wax figure of Lucille Ball and Ben Stiller's walking past each of one each one of them and talking about their contribution to television, and then goes and Bob Newhart, and it's literally Bob Newhart. Also, did you not marvel at how amazing those wax figures? I thought those they two- looked terrible. Oh, did you? I, I thought did. George Burns looked like George Burns. Oh, it that's was creepy. So funny. Yeah, that we had such vastly different reactions to it because I almost wrote before it got to the part where they were honoring Bob Newhart yeah. or they were talking to Bob Newhart. I was writing down in my notes: this wax figure business is dumb. Yeah. Then I got to, and I was like, "Oh, there's a payoff." Okay, forget it. Not dumb anymore. Yeah. But also, I was then hoping because then I thought as I, I was like, why are they showing wax figures? And then I was like, well, maybe they're not wax figures. And when it, when it got to Lucy, I thought, I wonder if that's a woman dressed up as Lucy, right? Because it doesn't look like Lucy, but still, it looks very. I mean, it was very lifelike in the sense yeah. that it looked like a real person. Um, and then I just wanted a hologram. And by the way, we didn't get a chance to talk about the, the Whitney, Whitney Houston, Houston hologram. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Because that's it's happening, Holly. Uh, okay, so you're not feeling the same way we are. <laughs> you're excited about a Whitney Houston hologram. We yeah. kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Well, appropriate that you're excited about that because it is the D bag segment. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of hey, D bags, <laughs> speaking of D bags, and speaking of the in memoriam, that's actually the subject of my D bag too. Oh, look at oh, that. Yeah. Okay, this might not go over well, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I, that's what I do. I have opinions and I share that. I am going to make my D-bag Halsey. Not Holly, Halsey, who sang the uh, her rendition or our rendition of Time After Time. Oh, um, Cindy Lauper. Exactly, for the In Memoriam. Not, it was not her singing. Her singing was beautiful. It was not the song choice. The song choice was beautiful. Um. It's the fact that she was not wearing pants. Oh. That I felt like, I don't know, if I'm standing in front of a group of people honoring the those that have gone before us, I might have put pants on. Well, what do you mean by pants? Well, not pants. Uh, Her skirt is so short, it appears as though it may be a tunic. It just is very distractingly not a full gown. And I, I think that it it was one of the... Okay, when your job is to sing the song for the In Memoriam, the In Memoriam should be about the memorials. And maybe not about your fashion moment where you're going to have your avant-garde thing. Yeah. To me, it feels like that's when you, as the singer or the performer, mute what you're wearing so that you are not pulling focus so you feel and like all i could were... say was i don't know what the people in the room were saying but i said to my husband i was like where did her pants go she does not have any pants on kids don't like to wear pants these days it's true but again again if i were going to a funeral with my own children right i might say to them please make sure your nethers are covered yeah, like yeah. you know be respectful in this moment anyway but she did sing beautifully kids 
I know. Kids I'm terrible. These days. I'm terrible. But I, and again, I'm not trying to like shame her in the sense that no, you just people felt should it wasn't be able. Yeah, it just did. It 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 was it felt tone deaf to me. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's not that it wasn't a great look. It would have been perfect anywhere else. Yeah. I just feel like the in memoriam segment. You, you know, listen. Pants. If the people who put the darn segment together can barely respect the people who died enough to. Well, the yeah, the pictures. people behind the scenes were obviously not on the ball. Uh, yeah, I just felt like, but, you know, I don't know if we want to play a little bit of her performance uh, because there is a video in there, Holly, if you want to, um, because it was beautiful and she did a wonder. She did the job of singing beautifully. I just had wished for pants. Yeah, well, no, look, pants are not even pants, uh, a full length situation yeah. or more full length i'm trying to see what this looked like on its own it's hard Here, to see i will i'll try to i'll try to give you a little again it was not that it wasn't a good look it wasn't that it wasn't it's very short it's just really it's short, short it just is a very gammy yeah it's a gammy leg outfit. forward it's very leg forward interesting enough the outfit that Halsey wore on the red carpet for the Emmys would have been perfectly appropriate for standing on stage in in memoriam segment. I don't understand that choice is all. That's all. Should we do we have a little bit of it here? Let's hear a little bit. She has a very unique sound to her voice. Well, she's got that millennial side mouth. She's got a little side mouth, a little slide mouth. Um, but it was, and it was a beautiful choice of song. Uh, but they didn't get the pictures right, and it was too gammy. So there you go. Her name is Ashley Nicolette Frangipan. I think that's kind of delightful. Thank you for that aside, yeah, I just Bradley. Googled her, and that's what I learned. Wonderful. Uh, when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, okay, um, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And that elephant in the room is Jenny McCarthy. Uh, she was the <laughs> elephant on, and I'm not, this is not a size thing. She did, she did the red carpet. She did some red carpet interviews. She's trash. And they, they did not hit the mark. No. We'll give examples of those after this on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Okay, so um, Jenny McCarthy was conducting interviews on the red carpet, and um, they were less than stellar, to say the least. This is the Colleen and Bradley Show. My Talk 1071, streaming live at mytalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Hey, hey. Uh, and Jenny McCarthy. Let's talk about Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, oh, speaking of hey, girl. So somebody thought it was a great idea to put Jenny McCarthy. To give Jenny McCarthy a microphone. Uh, well, you know, she's got a radio show. Oh, yeah. I mean, she is just a media professional. Oh, and she just shoots from the hip. That's why we like her, right? Also, call us. We will host your red carpet, and it will be so much better than Jenny McCarthy. My God, you guys. Okay, anyway, I will shut up. And let's just let Jenny McCarthy do the talking for herself, mm-hmm. honestly. There were a few things... Um, 
that we need to have comments on. The first is her with Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, I want to set up this clip a little bit. We don't have to play anything specific. I just want to roll a little bit of this beautiful bean footage because it'll give you a sense of um, the conversation. However, what you're not seeing is a complete lack of interest on the part of Gwyneth Paltrow (laughs) as she's being interviewed by Jenny McCarthy. And it's clear to me that Jenny McCarthy... She's one of those people that thinks she's so funny and everybody else is going to get the joke and is like in on her thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't have Gwyneth Paltrow helped bring down Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, she is. Gwyneth time. Paltrow is running a multi-million dollar corporation. Yeah. She I don't even know that she knows. Oh, who Jenny McCarthy is. To take it one step further, we also have to remember that Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't remember being in actual movies or she, the people that she was exactly, in them with. Exactly, because she is so fabulous. So she don't cur. So listen to a little bit of Jenny McCarthy on the red carpet at the Emmys last night with Gwyneth Paltrow. How did Gwyneth Paltrow? Hi, Gwyneth. Hello. You're looking gorgeous tonight. Thank you so much. I know you're here to be a presenter, but also to support your husband, Brad Falchuk. That's right. Nominee Brad Falchuk. Yes. Does he, does he get nervous? Is he superstitious at all? Is he like at home? He's the, one of the most calm, even-tempered people I've ever met in my life. Do you ever say to him, like, why aren't you nervous? I would be freaking out. He just isn't that kind of guy. He's very relaxed about it. It's nice. So you don't have to give him any advice. Like, you should write down your speech ahead of time. No tips for him? No tips. He doesn't need it? He really doesn't need it. And isn't he also producing your new show that we all should watch on Netflix? Can you tell us about it? Yes, of course. Thank you for asking. It premieres September 27th, this Friday. It's called The Politician, and it's on Netflix. Okay, so that's enough, because what you may not have noticed, or I hope you did notice... She says basically no to every single one of Jenny McCarthy's questions. Yes. And shuts it down politely. She's not rude, but she like doesn't add anything to anything that Jenny is asking. And her. you can hear in her voice a little bit of like, can we please get this over with? Like your husband's on a new show. Yep. Yes, he's on a new show. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, right? Yes, it's on Netflix. Yeah. She, you know, which I will tell you is kind of annoying um, as an interviewer. When celebrities do that, but it gives you an indication of like how much time she has for Jenny McCarthy. But also Jenny McCarthy, it also reminds you of um, to sharpen up your own interview skills because Jenny McCarthy is asking her yes, no questions. Yeah. Well, and she's not asking um, she's not asking questions that Gwyneth has to give an answer to. No. I mean, which is what you just said. Right. In a different way. Right. I mean, she just sort of. She's trying to like sound like she's Gwyneth's girlfriend, but Gwyneth is like, I don't even really like you. Yeah. <laughs> now, probably the most um, cringy one, and it's uh, it's the third one on our list. But let's can we play this one now? Because yeah, the one that she does with Christina Applegate is so fraught with awkward moments. So awkward. Now I don't know that the audio on this is the best. It's, it's so so. You'll have to listen closely, but I will. I'll help you know what just happened uh, after we listen to Jenny McCarthy interviewing Christina Applegate on the red carpet. Thank you very much. I know you were nominated for Friends being a guest star role. Tonight you're nominated for your own show. What does it feel like? First time, right? Um, well, lead actress? Oh, no. Samantha Who, a couple times, but that's okay. It, we, we can don't have to talk about that. Okay. So she didn't do her homework. Oh, God, it's ah! so much worse than that, you guys. It's really awkward. Uh, so, essentially, I mean, it all goes downhill right there. She... 
basically is like, oh, this is your first time, Christina Applegate, being nominated for your very own show. And Christina Applegate is like, yeah, no, actually, um, I was... I've, she's talking about dead to me, by the way. Uh, she's like, actually, no, I was nominated a couple times for Samantha Who, but we don't need to talk about that. And it's like Jenny McCarthy can't deal with any of it. Yeah, well, um, Jenny McCarthy, again, is a horrible interviewer. She also at one point says to Christina Applegate um, that she wanted to be her when she grew up. Okay. <sighs> Jenny McCarthy is older. Oh, jeez. Than Christina Applegate. Oh, that's awkward. Um, or no, actually, she's one year younger than uh, Christina Applegate. But like, you would first of all, you never say that to a woman. You really shouldn't say that to anyone, right? But you know, chivalry isn't always dead. I would just never feel comfortable saying that to a woman. Like, I really wanted to be you when I grew up, or anybody older. Like, oh, I used to love watching you when I was a kid. No, you just say, I used to love watching you, right? Um, so she she literally is one of those people who I get the impression with um, Jenny McCarthy that she you know, had a bunch of stuff thrown at her and then just sort of winged it. Oh, thought she probably had a whole bunch of stuff thrown at her and said, I got this. Don't worry about it. I know these people. I've got a, I've got my own podcast. I can handle a microphone. Yeah. Okay. No, you can't. Yeah, you really can't. And she, she, it's just brutal. If you just watch the whole interviews of, of uh, the people she's talking to, there is another one that um, I think we have time to play a little bit of this. Yeah. Um, Julia Louis Dreyfus. So just listen, this is again, there's a lot of stuff going on in the eyeballs that you can't see, but listen to a little bit of Jenny McCarthy interviewing, you know, arguably one of the best television comedians of our time, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Where do you want to go from here? Do you have anything you're like, you know what, I want to play a superhero or I want to play this? Superhero sounds fantastic. Why not? Um, I would, I would like to... Just keep finding good material. Ha, ha, ha. Like, that's a really easy thing to do. It's well, not. You seem to manifest it. You seem to, the work finds you or you find it, but you find these gems. Well, I've been very lucky so far. We also make it a gem, let's be honest. Well, I don't know what to say. Is that a question? Just compliment you. I just adore you. Thank you. Before you go, can you do the Elaine with me real quick? It's a dream come true. Now you do The it. dance. You do it. I'm doing it. How am I doing? Um, I would say it's okay. You have a little bit too much rhythm. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much. Oh, my, oh my God. gosh. That was so, so awkward. awkward. I heard so much secondhand embarrassment. Hot, I cannot embarrassment. manage myself. The thing about Julia Louis-Dreyfus, though, is how gracious she was in handling that. But you can still hear, like, oh, you're yeah. an idiot. She's literally like, I'm not doing the Elaine with you. Nice try. Oh, that's yeah, like awkward. no, you do it. You go right ahead. No, yeah, no, you're, you're doing. You're too, too good. You're, you're right. Too good. You're right, though, Bradley. It's like the thing about Jenny McCarthy is like she thinks she's hilarious. Yeah, because you do the Elaine thing. Let's do the Elaine thing. And I just know people who would do this interview. <laughs> it's awkward. Oh God! So I think like I think the biggest mistake you can make. Yeah, and this is the mistake that Jenny McCarthy made. Yeah when you're interviewing people on a red carpet like this is interviewing with the assumption that they're all your pals. Yeah. It's like, I, I instantly think of what's her name from, um, E who does like the Juliana pre- Rancic. Yes. She is the kind of person that does this interview. This is who I think of like, and 
And Juliana is at least sort of like people take her for what she is. Yeah. You know, but I I just think Jen, nobody really has that feeling about Ju- uh, Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. And so she just comes across as like, okay, I don't know. It's like, again, these are Julie Louis Dreyfus is an incredibly yes. eminently talented woman. You don't need to get her to do a dance or ask her if she wants to be a superhero or compliment her and then shove the microphone into her face so she has to somehow respond to something that was not a question oh it's so awkward oh geez all right well when we come back on the colleen and bradley show our friend paul mcguire grimes is joining us to talk about his impressions of the emmys telecast uh, and the winners and losers after this on my talk 1071 Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.